Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello, Jocelyn. Uh, let's go, right? Let's just jump no. right in. Oh, no, Ryan, <laughs> why? Oh, that's in our news section. You know I hate it. <laughs> you know, well, yeah, it's it's written right here. I hate it. But I mean, I just wanted to make sure everyone else knew going in. So. Oh, man. Yeah, we're going to talk about the new Mario movie trailer in the news section. But who boy. Who boy, Ryan. <laughs> yes. <I'm> not <laughs> Played a lot of God of War. Boy, just screaming it. <laughs> oh my god yeah um i am still working my way through uh ragnarok i i've still i've still got a bit to go but uh we are aiming for our spoiler cast of ragnarok to be next week um so you guys can stay tuned for that give you kind of like a, a seven day warning if you want to make sure that you finish uh the your ragnarok playthrough before we spoil it uh we will probably be talking about that next week uh but this week ryan uh what have you been up to what have you been playing well um here's here let's paint a picture how do you feel about uh a potion crafting simulator how do you feel about that I have seen a few of them. They've been recommended to me like um, on Steam a couple of times. I've never actually played one, mm. but I do tend to like, um, well, I mean, games like Overcooked, um, although maybe not quite as like frantic and stuff, but I used to play a lot of mobile games before um, Marvel Snap kind of took over my mobile gaming space. Um, I used to play a lot of those like cooking games where you had to like combine different ingredients and fill orders and and all that kind of stuff. And I feel like potion crafting sims are very similar to that. Yeah. Um so I mean I think like it, it they've been recommended to me on Steam a few times but not like I haven't actually ever tried one. But I think I would like them because like I say I like cooking games and filling orders and and things like that. Like the kind of strategy simulation stuff. Mhm. Okay, uh, how do you feel about uh, shopkeeper simulators? I didn't even know that that was a potential <laughs> game. <laughs> yes, okay, well, it's a part of this game. And I know you'll like this one, you'll say, how about uh, a card battler and a deck builder type thing? Okay, uh, card battlers, yay, deck builders, nay. I am really bad at building decks. <laughs> okay, I mean, like, in this, like, you have the ability to build your deck, but honestly, like, it's really about how you use... All the cards are good. I I, I feel like I'm also bad at deck builders, but in this game, it, it hasn't been a problem. Okay, last question, then I'll reveal uh, to everyone what I'm going to be talking about. Uh, how do you feel about dating simulators? Well, uh, Boyfriend Dungeon is like the only, well, actually that and the Dead by Daylight um, dating sim are the only two that I've played in this genre. But, uh, oh, I also started Doki Doki, but I haven't finished it. Um, oh. But that kind of at least starts like a dating sim. I don't know, like from people's comments, I feel like it doesn't finish as a dating sim. <laughs> uh, or Like it has a weird like twist or, or, or surprise end or something. I don't know, but... 
Um, anyways, it definitely starts off very dating sim-y. There's like, hey, here's these four girls and they have totally different and yet very expected personalities. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, those are That's kind of like my foray into that genre. And I, they're okay. I just like, it's not my favorite thing. <laughs> okay. Well, so basically this game takes those four things and a little bit of other stuff and combines it into one experience and it's called uh potionomics so it okay. is a potion crafting game it is a, a shop simulator where you're you know selling your wares and and upgrading your shelves and being able to craft more potions and, and craft more and sell more uh, potions at the same time and increase their value by having nicer shelves i, I guess that's how that works um and uh also card battler and there's a bit of a, a dating sim in there as well as you're um getting to know your fellow citizens of the town and um and well getting to know them um and and dating them i haven't got that far yet but supposedly you you do get to date them at some point um <laughs> and uh so yeah potionomics is uh is on steam right now and um you play as uh, uh sylvia who inherits a potion shop from her uh, uncle who is who has passed away and essentially you are saddled with a bunch of debt that you have to uh that has been tied to you you have to clear uh your name and basically run this potion shop to um not be taken into uh, some sort of debt jail of some kind there there's there's a there's a negative consequence to not paying the bills in in this game i, I believe and and it might involve like some sort of soul jail i'm not quite certain there was there was definitely some some negative vibes going on from from having not uh paid the bill so essentially the idea is like you have to craft these potions and win like a potion crafting contest in order to pay um your your uh your debt off every 10 days you have to make a payment every 10 days and jocelyn you'll never guess there is conveniently a potion competition with the required amount of money to pay off your debt every 10 days. No way. I know. It's such a coincidence, but so cool at the same time. So essentially, you're given 10 days to craft. They tell you the potions you need to craft uh, for the competition and give you the specific type of potion and the, um, the star rating you need to get. And basically, you have 10 days to find the materials, uh, upgrade your equipment if needed to to brew a stronger potion and basically in those 10 days you have to have the right amount of potions to win the competition uh which creates in my mind like there is there's timers and stuff so like the day has like six chunks to it so there's a finite amount of things you can do during a day to craft your potions but then there's also a finite amount of days that you have to to make those potions and prepare for the competition. So there is like this looming deadline. Um, I I have failed to hit that deadline once, um, and it basically came down to uh, not crafting uh, the a strong enough version of the potion they were asking for. Because essentially, if you don't hit the targets, um, obviously your opponent always hits the targets, and you basically have a small opportunity to convince. Uh, the judge that your potion is better, therefore increasing the value of it and, and then <laughs> winning a round. Um, and that's where the card battling comes in. 
is, is in like ah, this. okay. So it's not a it's not a hard battle to beat someone and therefore date them. <laughs> I was I'm like trying to figure out how all of these things are going to come together. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, so the potion crafting is you, you gather ingredients, uh, whether you're gathering them from a shop and buying them or you're sending adventurers out um, to collect uh, loot, which would include um, the items you need to craft your potions. But crafting the potions is basically like there's a recipe and that recipe is made up of like um, this ingredient provides red uh like I, I can't remember what they call it there's like a specific type so it's like red magic i guess i'll just say that comes from that ingredient so to make a health potion you need red magic and green magic in a specific amount uh like a ratio of ingredients and then you basically put those ingredients into a cauldron and it takes depending on how many ingredients you have in there it takes longer chunks of time to 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 craft and um, you can leave it and let it run and come back and go do other stuff. Or you can speed it up by, by throwing some extra magical wood in the fire to make it make it brew faster. Okay, how do you get magical wood? Uh, so the magical I wood... I feel like that's a semi-inappropriate no, question. <laughs> it's not. It's fine. You, uh, you get magical wood from uh, either from adventurers who are... Uh, collecting loot or you can buy uh what they call it fuel i don't know why i called it magic wood i should just call it fuel to be <laughs> honest because that's what the game calls it um so it's fuel that you would purchase you can purchase it from a vendor and so that's the idea of like crafting your potions and um you, once you craft that potion you can either if it's not like you have various things you can do with it you can hold on to it for the competition if it's the potion that you crafted specifically for the competition you can place it in a showcase on your on your shop to encourage more um, customers to come in, and, and those won't sell. They're just like window shopping, You're just showing off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or you can place it on your shelves, and you can sell it. And then that's where uh, the card battler comes in. So when a, when a customer comes in, essentially you're haggling for the price to try to increase, encourage them to pay more for the potion. And there's like a little sticker on the potion saying the price and how much of the markup you've earned through encouraging them to spend more on the potion. Okay. <laughs> and that's where the card battling comes in is that you're, you're basically given your hand of three cards at the start and you play those, those cards to increase interest for the customer. Um, and the higher the interest, the higher the price that you're going to get for that potion. Um, now the person you're battling also has abilities, which you can see a preview of what their turn is going to be whether it's um, an increase or a decrease in the amount of time you have to to uh, to basically gain more interest. Uh, sometimes they'll cause like you to feel stress. Um, so you can set up like a defense. But if you don't set up a defense, uh, the other character will cause you stress, which causes you to draw stress <laughs> cards, which are basically useless. Um, and this whole idea is causing me stress. <laughs> I know. And, and that's the thing is as I was playing it, it's like, it's not a relaxing game because I feel like the 10 day between competitions and the, f the fail state of like not finishing a competition is essentially like, if you fail, you have to start not over completely, but you have to find a save where it's like, how far back do I need to go where I can actually craft these potions? And if you fail to craft them uh, in time and you do the competition and you lose, you basically have to try again and figure out like, okay, how far back do I need to go 
so I have time to craft the right amount of potions. It's a best two out of three round the competition. So like really, if you wanted to, you could focus on just building two really strong potions of the three that are required. Um, and essentially in the competition, it's similar to haggling. You're using your deck to basically convince the judge that your potion's worth more than than your opponent. And that's where I've won. Um, in both competitions I did, my potions were valued less, but I basically like talked the judge into being like, no, nah, my potion's better and it's worth <laughs> more, essentially. Um, and, uh, but like I said, like, you're right. Like when it comes to stress, I think one of the competitions I did, uh, Sylvia, the main character, she was so stressed by the end of it, she had like 87% stress. So I had to spend like the next day just hanging out with my friends to de- decrease my stress level, <laughs> um, which is where the the dating component comes in is that you are yeah. interacting with your friends and meeting new people and you're hanging out and you can give them gifts, which uh, then allows you to uh, rank up uh, your relationship with that character. And the rank up stuff is like basically, you know, you doing you going out and doing activities. And it's similar to um, other games that we've we've played uh, similar to, you know, other dating sims. There's no voice acting. It's all red and it's kind of presenting both characters and they're emoting and animating as the text is displaying on the bottom of the screen. And, uh, you know, you're given uh, dialogue choices, whether you want to like flirt with the character or just, I don't know, comment on on something that's going does on. It like tell you what your comments are going to result in? Like, does it say like in brackets, like flirt and then the thing you're going to say or like um, chat or be a dick? <laughs> um, or does it just give you options? Because like. That is the biggest reason why I don't like dating sims in general is because I find the experience isn't necessarily, I guess, guided enough. I find I'll often choose like a, like a text option and it'll say something like, your hair looks pretty today. And then my character will actually say, your hair looks pretty today. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I'm no, it wasn't supposed to be sarcastic and mean. It was supposed to be a compliment. And it's like, you have no idea from the text what the tone of the comment is going to be. Like, it's so weird. <laughs> yeah, I, I felt that this game was really, it, it's really well written in a way where when the dialogue choices pop up, it doesn't explicitly say like, this is the flirt option. This is the sort of, um, as the Steam description says, befriend or romance you know, uh, your, your fellow vendors and friends across, across this town. I I mean, like I said, I don't think that I came across an option where I was like, oh, that's not the dialogue option I wanted to to choose. That's not the reaction I was looking for. Um, the only negativity I've seen in this game is when you maybe gift something to a character and, and they don't like it. It doesn't decrease anything. It's just like, they're like, oh, Thanks, I guess. You know, that's like the most <laughs> negative reaction I've had in the game. Like everything else has been like everyone's just really excited and stoked to be part of this world and um, friends, just being friends with everybody. Everyone, it's super positive, you know, like it's not really it didn't really feel like you could um, accidentally upset someone, you know, 
Um, well, that's good because <laughs> I always upset people in dating sims. <laughs> yeah, no, I I don't think that's a possibility here. I feel like this game is is structured in a way where all of your responses are are considered positive responses, and they're very clear. If you want to, if you're looking to give the flirty option, I've seen in descriptions like there's. Um, there's options to basically, uh, sometimes a character will be telling a story and you have the option to say, oh, tell me more. Or like, yeah, that's, that's, that's really crappy. You know, like there are clear options there of like, give me more dialogue about what you were talking about, or let's just keep the conversation flowing. I've, I've seen that sort of dialogue option as well. But again, like, it's not like a positive negative thing in that, like, tell me more is the positive answer. And, you know shut up and let's go back to the other thing we were talking about is the negative answer. You know, um, it's very, it's the conversation flows in a way where it's like, you're not, you don't have to worry about suddenly this person hates you and now you can't buy ingredients from them, <laughs> you know, or upgrade your shop because that's the whole point. Like the game is introducing these new vendors so you can, you know, upgrade your shelves, upgrade your shop, uh, you know, build whole new wings of your shop and, and add more, space for your your potion selling and space for your crafting and i i've even noticed like as i progress through the game they're continuously adding more functions and again that kind of adds to the simulation part of the the stressfulness of like <laughs> you know how like right now i think where i'm at i'm in the heading into the third competition and i thought like oh this won't be too bad these potions i've made them before then i look at them it's like oh no each potion has like a grade level. So there's like a minor potion, then a common, then a great. Then I think right now I'm trying to make grand potions. Ooh, and, that sounds uh, fancy. <laughs> yeah. And it's, uh, they're not, I've never made one before and I have to make three of them in nine days or else I, I, I get game over, I guess. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, it, it's, it's hard to, there's like a lot of stuff going on and there's only so much time in the, in the day for you to do it. So it kind of feels like, oh, I'm sitting here. And it's like, okay, what, what do I need to do? And I, and I think like to basically try to harness that stress and, and look at this game is like, my suggestion is just like figure out which potion is the easiest to make. Start there, you know, specifically buy ingredients for that potion um, if you're not hitting that specific level that you're looking for, you're going to need to go out and start investing in like higher level cauldrons so that you can put more ingredients into the pot and make sure that you're getting that potion you need. And and and, and once you've kind of got that down, um, it all just kind of flows. And you only need one potion for the competition so you can sell the rest or use them uh, for your adventurers. So your adventurers are going to want potions so that they can um, delve deeper into a region to collect more loot. So it's all just this one big, it's all connected. And I think that's where it can kind of get a little overwhelming as, uh, you realize like, oh, I've got six chunks of time, but I want to go hang out with this person. And then I have to go hang out with this other person. Oh, but I gotta buy ingredients. I gotta brew that potion. Um, <laughs> so there's a lot of stuff to kind of like to manage yeah there's a lot of stuff to manage and it can be overwhelming uh, i'll admit uh as fun as this game is and as quirky as the dialogue like i really love the it's such a charming game it's not very often you get to play a game that's like so well written and all the animations are super awesome like they've done a lot of work 
in the design of this of this game, like from the characters to the music to the backgrounds to the writing, it's all superb. Um, but it it can be a bit stressful as you're trying to manage like all the different stuff going on. And um, I kind of wish there was from a difficulty level, like maybe say like, hey, can I get 15 days between competitions instead of 10? Like I felt 10 was really tight, you know? Um, so uh, that that is a bit of a bit of a negative point for the game is that I just I I wish I could slow down a little bit because again like part of the character interactions in the dating sim part of it is like you want to spend more time with these characters but you feel like no I, I can't spend time with you uh, I've got to go back to your shop <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> but there is a bonus to ranking up your relationships with these characters because again they're all selling you stuff but the higher relationship rank you have they'll like give you coupons for their services um which is super helpful because again like the coin you have is earned by selling your potions so mm-hmm. like like i said it's all connected right so if you're not making potions you're not collecting ingredients you're basically you've got no money and uh it all falls apart <laughs> so uh, but i've had a lot of fun with it are there like difficulty settings at all or is it just this is what it is it's it's basically just uh from what i've seen it, it is what it is like there's no difficulty okay because i was gonna say maybe like there's a difficulty setting to say like have competitions like closer together or further apart because that seems to be the pain point for you right now yeah i do wish there was um sort of a way to increase the time between competitions and uh it's just i don't know if it's like designed for you to play multiple times so like because i really i kind of do feel like i'm, I'm kind of missing out because there's like I think right now there's like 10 characters on the map and I feel like when I'm playing, I kind of everything's everything's allotted in time. So it takes one chunk of time to go travel and see your friends. Um, But you can see all your friends in one in that one time slot. Like you can go visit the shop. You can go visit the the crafting lady. Okay. so you have that opportunity. But if you try to like reduce your stress um, by hanging out with your friends, that takes time on top of the travel time. Um, yeah, like ranking up your characters that that is another chunk of time. And it kind of seems like, I mean, if you did want to like see all the characters or what, I mean, maybe you're just supposed to play like all the way through, I guess. And you're supposed to like either get your friendships or your relationships to like max level, whether that's friend or romance or whatever. Um, like it doesn't really sound like it's very replayable in that sense necessarily. Um, just because I feel like everything you've described seems very cyclical except for the dating sim part of it. Like you're making potions to go to the fair thing and you're doing the shop sim and the card battling and everything else. And all of that seems like the gameplay loop and then you've got this dating sim which is where it feels like the variation comes in so like that doesn't seem very replayable i would think that you would probably want to just like do one playthrough and try to see everybody but it sounds like that's also very difficult like i'm worried that the it sounds like almost unbalanced like the weight of the game is weighted away from the variety (laughs) yeah and and maybe I'm uh, like, I feel like because the competitions are so important and crafting the potions is so important, I might be weighting the game more to the potion crafting to try to 
well, survive. And because it got game over maybe once. Maybe you and- get to, oh, okay. I was going to say, maybe you get to the point where like the business is almost self-sustaining maybe and you build up enough money that you can take more time with your friends like this is sounding so much like real life and i don't know if i like it (laughs) well you know there is a bit to it uh, in that regard too and like that's with every simulator uh yeah (laughs) like 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 this one and i think again where the um yeah like i I think where the fun comes in is is where you're interacting with characters and and you're right it does it does become a little more self-sufficient i've found like this round um i'm i have more cauldrons i have um uh less uh like i have a bunch of um uh loot and 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 items to build brew my potions because i have now access to three different adventurers and i can send them all out and i can basically craft you know health mana and resistance potions for them to go out and collect loot and it's again like you said it's it's cyclical so as long as you are planning your um your adventurers to go out and you're brewing those potions and you have multiple cauldrons you can have your best cauldron brewing your competition uh potions while having like your other cauldrons which i have three now uh brewing just stuff to support your adventures and your shop yeah and like i said you when you brew a potion you only need one for that adventure or for that competition and to basically hit like the higher level potions you have to add a bunch of ingredients which means the more ingredients you have in there the more potions you're going to brew in one cauldron um Mm -hmm. so you could have one for the competition two to sell and one for your adventures to uh, oh okay (laughs) yeah so like it it basically allows you to uh, eventually like brew one brew can basically provide you with potions for various uh, activities so uh, you 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 are right like eventually you're getting to a point where like okay it's morning uh i've i've set up my adventurers brews overnight which uh allows your potions to brew a lot faster if you let them go overnight and now i'm ready to go you know talk to my friends set up adventurers go back to the shop sell a couple potions like it, it's I think it's balanced in that way, but it's just you can get caught up in the simulation of it. Like, oh, my gosh, I got to pay my bills. I got to go, uh, you know, I got to prepare for the company. I don't have time to talk to you right now. Like, you know, that sort of thing. And <laughs> like I said, the best part that I found it is the character interactions. So it can be um, like it can be a little frustrating when the game kind of like when you get caught up in the moment. And it's like, oh, wait, I really should go interact with everybody because they're like I said, all the dialogue is so well written. So, yeah, it's. um it can get tough when you get caught up in in the loop of of trying to sell your potions for sure. The characters look really cool too. Like this is a it's a pretty like detailed animation or maybe not animation but character design kind of style art yeah. style I guess. Yeah, like it's it's 3D animated like all the characters are are 3D modeled and like I said all the animations are like really well done and really well animated and and it's all very detailed. So like when your characters are interacting, it kind of felt like just the detail to the animation felt like really high end. Um, you know, where a lot of these, a lot of dating sims, a lot of like storytelling games, like they have the the static art pop up and up and down, up and down, you know. As yeah. they, you know? <laughs> and, and again, it works for the genre. But like, I think what they've done here is they've, you know, when you're brewing, you uh, and you see this on the Steam page when you're brewing, like you get from the point of view from the cauldron and you see your characters 
sort of in the background interacting and, and measuring and, and stuff like that. Like they've done a lot of work to basically make every scene super interesting to the point where if you have like auto dialogue turned on and you're trying to read as you go, you, you miss the animations that are happening in the background because you're, you're trying to keep up mm. with, the, with the writing. So, you know, uh, like I said, it, it, like you said, it's a it's very highly detailed in terms of the character models and uh, the way they're animating and emoting and stuff. So it's it's totally worth paying attention to that stuff um, while you're playing through because it's all really, really well done. Yeah, this looks really cool. I'm definitely going to go check it out. Uh, did you play it on you played it on Steam, right? Is it available on Game Pass, <laughs> which is something I now ask every <laughs> single time? <laughs> uh, well, if it was on Game Pass, I'd be playing it on Game Pass. But no, I, I picked this one up on Steam. Uh, it's okay. $30 <laughs> Canadian. Uh, and I have been playing it uh, pretty much exclusively on the Steam Deck. And uh, it is a it was a good test. It was kind of the first game I bought for the Steam Deck, solely for the Steam Deck, because I wanted to try out, like, obviously the the controller-type games are going to work really well, but this is a this is a, uh, a mouse-driven game where you're navigating menus and moving, you know, uh, items and choosing uh, dialogue and stuff like that. And for the most part, I played with the Steam Deck and just used, like, the trackpad, and it worked really, really well. Like, it it, it felt good. Like there are some moments where the menus are a little small and you, you're trying to like finesse between your options and stuff. Um, I think I accidentally ended a day instead of saved, <laughs> which <laughs> I lost a whole day's work. And I was like, no, no. And I, and I went and chose a different save. But um, I actually like docked <laughs> the Steam Deck and connected it to the TV and played with my Steam uh, controller that I've had for however long those have been out and discontinued. But uh, that's how I played on the TV with the Steam Deck controller and just use the the trackpad on there. But if you're not uh, like I think like this is a this is definitely a PC mouse and keyboard type game and and it, and it's definitely like a mouse driven game. There's no controller support, but if you are playing it on Steam Deck, the trackpad works really well. So, um, but yeah, I would recommend definitely playing with a mouse. It, it's definitely the way to way to go with this one. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm, I think I'm going to go and check that out then. It sounds really interesting and, and the, the art style and stuff kind of really sold me on it. So uh, so, yeah, I'm going to go mm -hmm. and check that out um, this week. I and I mean, I promise I won't talk about this for too long. Obviously, it's the kind of topic that can potentially take on a life of its own because it's just such a big game. But um, Dragonflight just released yesterday. So this is the newest expansion for World of Warcraft. So that's what I have been playing. I um, jumped in. I, I wasn't sure I was going to play. So the last two expansions have not been great. Um, BFA and Shadowlands both really fell flat on both their systems and their story. So I was really struggling. <laughs> And I was like on the fence about whether or not I was going to even get Dragonflight and if I was going to play. But we had enough people who were uh, interested in raiding. So the team was still going. So I was like, OK, fine. So I started playing yesterday and like I'm still really on the fence because I find that the WoW team has started like recycling ideas almost like it very much felt like Shadowlands was kind of like the follow-up to Lich King stuff, but not in a good way. And then, like, this very much feels like the follow-up to Cataclysm. And so, like, it's interesting because Legion felt like it 
carried forward some stuff from like Burning Crusade era WoW and but not in like a continuation or rehashing kind of way but Shadowlands and Dragonflight have felt very rehashy um so the whole kind of idea is that the Dragon Isles have now been discovered uh and like how convenient <laughs> yeah they just kind of like hand wave away shadowlands like there's this one character you can talk to and he's just like it's been years since we returned from the shadowlands it's been quiet and nice and i'm like oh so we're just we're not tying into shadowlands at all then we're just pretending that never happened okay <laughs> so like it's kind of funny how they just kind of like there, there is no like continuity. There is nothing from Shadowlands that like leads into Dragonflight at all. <laughs> They're just like, screw that. We're not carrying any threads through. Like we're starting as fresh as we possibly can. Um, and then so uh, the Dragon Isles are like the birthplace slash home of all the Dragonflights. So you have to go there and help them uh, deal with this like ancient enemy kind of deal. And, like, they have to regain their power as aspects, which obviously they gave up to fight Deathwing in Cataclysm. And, yeah, so there's there's a lot of, like, I don't know. Like, it's okay. The story's fine. But um, the one thing I will say that, though it's a little bit overwhelming, um, I kind of like the talent trees that they've done. So they basically, like, revamped everything so you get one talent point per level now and you can slot them into um your like general class spells and then your specific specs stuff as well so like i'm a paladin so i have one talent tree for all paladins that's shared and then one talent tree for retribution specifically um or when i when i raid i'm going to be healing so it'll be holy specifically um and so as I level, every time I level, I get to choose a new ability and they're pretty dynamic and there's a lot of really interesting choices that you can make. So I think it's been a success. <laughs> Knock on wood. Like they've they've taken away the idea for so many expansions. Now we've had like a borrowed power system where it was like you have your artifact weapon and you have to collect some random resource that was artifact power, uh, but they always called it AP. <laughs> like whatever it actually stood for, it was always AP so that the short form didn't change between expansions. But anyways, started in Legion with artifact power to empower your weapon. And then um, you there was just like the um, Azerite power in BFA that was to empower your armor. And like you were just always doing this. Oh, and then the the most recent Shadowlands was Anima. So like Anima power. And it was just it was all stuff that you were collecting and was your quest rewards and your um, world quest dailies and everything else like that was all very much based on this whole borrowed power system where you had to collect more and more of the stuff to make your stuff better and it just never felt good you lost it all at the end of the expansion and then you started this new system and so often they had feedback from beta where people were like we don't like this and then they'd fixed it by like the 0.2 or 0.3 patch which usually came a year or a year and a half after release and people were just like 
we're done with the game already. We're not coming back for the last patch of the expansion. Like, what are you doing? So, like, it felt like they were playing catch up for a lot of years in, in the last couple of expansions. So it feels like they've hit on a system which having played a little bit of um, WoW Classic because um, Lich King just came out in WoW Classic. And so I jumped in there and I played as a Death Knight and went through the starting zone and uh, they they have talent trees. And I was just like, oh, okay, I'm recognizing this. So, like, I kind of like this idea. Now you could pick and choose between of the three different specs, like Blood, Frost, and Unholy. You could pick little bits and pieces from each talent tree. You didn't have to stay within one. But it's it's definitely looks inspired by um, that talent tree kind of system. So it was, it was really interesting. Um, but there doesn't seem to be, like, there's reputation grinds, but... As of right now, and I did not pay attention to what this expansion had, like, at all. Like, I was so disengaged from WoW for the last, like, six to eight months because Shadowlands was so bad. And so, like, I have no idea what the, like, mid to end game systems are going to look like. But leveling right now, my character feels pretty good. And there's nothing, like, borrowed power or gimmicky. Uh, and, and so, like, I kind of like how my character is playing right now i'm doing some cool stuff even though i'm still not max level so the story's kind of like okay but i think that for the first time in a long time they've actually gotten the mechanics down better and uh yeah they've also introduced and like everybody loves this but uh well not everybody i guess but a lot of people seem to really love this i don't want to yuck anybody's yum but there, uh, there's a new system and it's dragon riding, which basically gives you a form of flight right from the get go. Um, and well, I guess not completely the get go. There's a there's a little bit of intro questing before you get your first dragon. Um, but they're very specific mounts, and you can like, it's almost like demon hunter gliding. <laughs> like it's not quite flying you can't just like take off like you do on your other flying mounts and just go you have to like jump from a height and then like you have a limited amount of power to like fly up a little higher or like do a big whoosh move and go faster um but then once you once you've kind of uh, used up that energy then you just sort of drift to the ground <laughs> so like apparently it gets much better once you actually like level it up and like collect all of the they're called glyphs and you um you find them randomly around the world and you just have to fly through them and then you collect them and you use those to like buy talents for for um dragon riding i keep wanting to say dragon flying but that's not what it is <laughs> um so yeah dragon riding um and apparently it's much better once you have uh, that fully leveled up but um i haven't yet i haven't gone out of my way because you can like explore and access everywhere all at once um you kind of play through a very linear storyline that takes you uh counterclockwise kind of around the island from where you start in terms of the story but you can fly anywhere with your dragon mount like there's nothing stopping you from going to the different zones. So you could get your dragon mount and then just fly around looking for the glyphs and then, you know, have a fully leveled dragon mount before you go and do any questing at all. Um, so it is like it does feel like um, 
there's a little bit more player choice, but um, I wish they'd just give me normal flying. <laughs> like, I don't need 800 things to grind. Like, when, when systems get too complex is when I start to check out a little bit. So I think that um, I'll probably stay engaged with this because of the raid team, obviously. But um, the expansion itself seems okay. And I, and I don't feel... Again, I'm not at end, I'm not at endgame, but um, I don't feel currently like I am forced to do anything, which is nice. And like leveling usually feels like that, but they also usually take leveling to introduce you to whatever the borrowed power is going to be. And I haven't had any quests like that yet. And I'm 66 out of 70 right now um, in terms of level. So I feel like if they were going to introduce me to something like a legendary weapon or Azerite armor or something like that, they would have done it already. So um, again, totally disengaged as WoW up until this point. Had have no idea what systems are in this expansion, but so far <laughs> there hasn't been anything that's made me go ugh. Which for Warcraft lately is kind of a win. <laughs> <laughs> I I really feel like this is like the lowest key launch in, in a while. I mean, like i just haven't seen a lot of it i've seen a lot of advertising for it but it's it's um it's in quick bursts right so it's not it's not super engaging it's it because uh, i don't know if to me like the dragon isles don't seem to be as sellable in like a six second clip like the rest of the expansions have been in terms of like the zones being you know mists of pandaria even battle for azeroth uh you know you, you have your main characters yelling at each other you know like <laughs> in this it's like it's hard to tell outside of we found the dragons, like what's going on from an outside looking in perspective, you know? And, um, but that being said, I'm always excited to hear when they add, you know, new, uh, you said there's a new class. I think we might've been talking pre-show about it, new class and you can play as a dragon, right? Like, is that the idea? Yeah. So they added a new race and class. Um, and so they're like, they're dragon like, uh, and so basically the race whose name at uh, the Drac Dracthir, I think, um, are, can only be evokers and evokers can only be Dracthir. So like, if you are a dragon person, you are playing as the new class and you have no other options, which kind of sucks <laughs> because you would think that like, they're dragons they should be at least like magically inclined why not let them be like mages or like priests or i don't know like warriors and like maybe not paladins but you know there's some like more say generic air quotes don't hate me classes in terms of like warrior and mage that it feels like basically everyone in a fantasy game should be able to play then there's some more like specialized ones that I get, you know, you have to have a certain like affinity or alignment or, you know, a lore reason for a specific race being a specific class. Um, so that's why there's different combinations, but like only letting one and they might open it up later. It's possible they open it up later, either this expansion or possibly with the next expansion and let, you know, now that we've helped the dragons and we've played through Dragonflight now more people can become evokers we've learned from the Drakthir and blah, 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 whatever. Like, <laughs> made up lore reason here. <laughs> so, like, there's always a possibility there for them to open it up later on. But right now, anyways, um, Drakthir can only be evokers and evokers can only be Drakthir. And they are a 
ranged uh, DPS and um, healer uh, class. So they only have two specializations, much like demon hunters, but demon hunters were melee DPS and tank. So now the evoker is like the opposite and in range DPS and healer. So um, they're kind of cool. I haven't actually played it. Um, I'm healing on my paladin and I'm pretty excited to be back on the paladin for the first time since BFA. So I haven't really like thought about playing the new class. I kind of looked at it and I was like, okay, that look, like it looks okay. Um, but I haven't actually tried it. Apparently it's really fun. Uh, we have a couple of people who've gone evoker in our raid team. So we'll see like how that actually plays out, but they're supposed to be OP healers. So, <laughs> which is kind of tradition for launch characters is that in general, when a new class launches, they're overpowered. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, um, I we talked about this pre-show like I I didn't I didn't end up playing Shadowlands and I didn't end up playing it when Blizzard gave it to me for free. Um, <laughs> I I think like uh, my time with WoW will always be cherished. Yeah, previous even even Battle for Azeroth. Um, you know I don't I I did I did raiding previous to that one. I think Legion I think Legion was when we were doing raiding. I'm trying to remember it. I don't think it was missed. Probably. Um yeah. because yeah, I didn't do any any group content in Miss. Yeah. And it might have even been like the very, very, very tail end of Miss where we were doing some dungeons and, and sort of setting up oh, the raid. Yeah, we were kind of like we were playing like old content. Yeah. We were going back and doing stuff that was like one or two patches behind. Yeah, I remember now. Yeah, and like while the wow MMO uh gameplay is not necessarily like as exciting to me anymore i do totally understand like the social aspect of it of like enjoying you know the raid side of it and playing with friends but the journey it just it every time i hear someone talk about you know these wow expansions it just sounds like which bars did they put in this one for you to fill and how does it (laughs) sound so familiar to the last one and um i wish I just wonder if like there is a way to, you know, have that social, you know, aspect to it with the rating without having to have all these different bars to fill. And I know the bars is, you know, filling them is part of the MMO experience, but like it's never been my favorite part and it's almost been a bit of a deterrent. And I think it's only it's only been highlighted uh, more lately just with the influx of various different games that are out there that you can, you know, like Sea of Thieves, Dead by Daylight, where you can just jump in yeah. and play with a friend. And, and there's sometimes there's progression, but it's not like it's not like it's it's a bar. It doesn't feel like as big of a barrier. Yeah, exactly. Like Sea of Thieves, you can literally jump in and play with anyone. It doesn't matter yeah. um, how much time you've put in or haven't put in. Um, but yeah, I think that like this one feels like it has less bars, at least as of right now, um, than the previous few expansions have had. So if you haven't played WoW for a while, you can probably just jump in. Um, I will say that the talent trees are a little bit overwhelming because like there's literally, I would say like probably 50 things (laughs) in each talent tree, um and you get 70 points overall to spend um and so it can be a little bit overwhelming but they did add the option to import so like if you go to like 
a third-party site like Wowhead or Icy Veins or something. Um, they have like Paladin leveling builds there and you can just go to their website, copy it like you would copy a deck code for Hearthstone and then import the talent tree into Warcraft. And then it's just like, it just buys all the stuff for you and and you're done. Like you don't even have to think about it. So there are kind of some built-in shortcuts if that's what you want to do, or if you want to sit there and actually decide how to spend, you know, 35 points on Paladin and 35 points on Rhett, then, you know, you can do there. You, you can do that. You can sit there and, and kind of go through them spell by spell. So, I mean, like, I think that's good because I think it, you can have some, like, player agency and customization there and without having to do a borrowed power system. Like, they can basically just add another row of choices to put at the end and not mess with this system going forward. <laughs> so, I mean, eventually it'll get a little bit bloated, but I think at least for now it's fine. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think if you've been away, then this might be an okay time to come back. But um, I don't know, like, the story to me has been kind of like meh, mm. but... But again, that's mostly just me be like being totally disengaged with the universe and finding it hard to get back in after the story of the last couple of expansions. So, but yeah, I, I mean, it's the latest, the the latest wow is out. That's basically the news. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, if you like wow, go check it out. If you don't, then don't <laughs> kind of want it. Like you guys <laughs> should know what wow is like. It's been out for literally 18 years. They just yeah. finished the 18th year um, anniversary in-game event. So, I mean, like, you guys know by now if you're a WoW player or not, basically. Uh, but yeah, so uh, before we get into the news, wanted to give a shout out to this month's patron, Soldier Hawk. Thank you so much for heading on over to patreon.com slash thegamersin to support the show. We very much appreciate it. We also appreciate you guys hanging out with us while we stream and helping us out to raise money for the Children's Miracle Network. We are still taking donations all the way until December 31st at bit.ly slash TGI Extra Life 2022. Um, Ryan, you're going to be doing a stream on December 16th at 8 p.m. Eastern. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to try to get a couple more streams in. I'm hoping to stream on Friday. No promises, though. Um, just because like, so everything is so crazy right now. The month of November just disappeared for me. Um, we're renovating a bathroom right now. If you guys have been following me on Twitter, then you've seen the pictures and I'm basically like doing it myself. <laughs> so my dad's coming to help me do, yeah, my dad's coming over to do my electrical, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's happening this weekend. So I'm hoping to have the bathroom basically ready for him uh, and then be able to stream on Friday. But if I haven't, you know, finished putting the baseboards in or, you know, installing the vanity or whatever, then I might not be able to stream. But I'm going to try. I'm going to try real hard because um, Extra Life is really important to us and we could really use your support. So again, that is bit.ly slash TGI Extra Life 2022. We're going to try to have a few more streams for you before the end of the year, but definitely Friday, December 16th at 8 p.m. Eastern is the holiday party. Don't yeah. miss it. That brings us to the news this week. Um the second the second Mario movie trailer is out. And <laughs> it just breaks my heart. <laughs> I hate it so much. <laughs> I look here before like before we get into it. I I feel like um and I your your opinion is not wrong. Like it's fine. Like but you feel like you're really latching wow. on to Chris Pratt. 
right? That's probably like the most controversial or confrontational thing I think you've said to me in the entire, what, 11 years that we've been doing this show. <laughs> like, you got a hair away from telling me I was wrong, Ryan. No. That is like... <laughs> You're not Canadian wrong. Canadian nuclear war. <laughs> uh, you're not wrong. What I'm saying basically is like, I I think like there's a lot of good going on with this trailer and it can be, it can be very distracting with Chris Pratt's voice. And I think I've just, I'm, I'm fine with it. You're basically like making, well, see, that's the thing. So I a hundred percent agree with you. I feel like you're basically making my argument for me is that there's so much good and so much potential in this movie. Every time Mario opens his mouth, I just want to punch him. Like, <laughs> it's just wrong. And it takes me totally out of the movie, or in this case, out yes. of the trailer. Like, you know, it just, it is so distracting. And like, I have no problem. Like, I didn't necessarily have like a Mario voice in my head once we knew that it wasn't going to be like the the super fake Italian accent. Then I was just like, okay, you know, like, let's see what their vision is for Mario when he has to say more than a two or three word sentence. And I was like, I was really hoping that it would at least be something. And it's just Chris Pratt, except for in this trailer, they have him say, let's go. And I'm like, that's just Chris Pratt. <laughs> like, he doesn't even try to, like, it, it's just, it's such a an odd thing to have Mario catchphrases that are, that come from that fake Italian accent place. And then, like, with this Chris Pratt voice, it's just like, you're speaking normally all the time and then you have this phrase that's fake Italian except you're not doing fake Italian and it just sounds so <laughs> weird like, yeah. I just oh my god like I said as you're not as, wrong uh, you're not wrong uh, it, I just I, I understand that and again we have been doing this show for over 10 years and I, I know Jocelyn I know you get distracted when something is negative and it, you just it's it's there and it's not going away and you know it's going to be a big part of the, it's a big part of this is Mario we're talking he's about the main character it's yeah. the Mario movie and he's Mario <laughs> so I'm not faulting you saying like uh like like I said you're not wrong and that is going to be distracting for you for me I it like in the moment sure when he says let's go it's like okay yeah no that's Chris Pratt saying let's go um it's it's fine not even making an effort oh no well i mean his wahoo at the end was was pretty spot on mario was it not i like no it, no okay <laughs> it was still terrible well because they just oh i think you should watch Anyways, it in french i've really I, heard the french is amazing um and then maybe that's what i'll do is i'll just watch this movie in french with subtitles sure. and then like that's how i'll get around because i'm assuming chris pratt doesn't do the french voice no, so. well, so in our Discord, Whirlwind, who who's French Canadian, and and Val as well, will often say like we watched it in French and it was it was amazing. And and here's what you could do: you know what you could do is um you could just wait till it comes to streaming, and then every time you think Mario is going to talk, you pause it, you switch the audio language to French, and then when he's done talking, you switch it back. And I feel oh my like God. that <laughs> might so make this work. film yeah, but it would make it watchable for you, right? Like you'd be it able might to make get it bearable, it. yeah. <laughs> 
But I will say, like, you are right about, like, the rest of the trailer looked really good. Um, the the movie itself, like, the visuals are awesome. Mm-hmm. There were so many moments where I was just like, this looks, animation-wise, this looks so good. There's, like, this part where there's, like, um, some galaxy stuff and, like, out in space. And there's, like, other parts, like the Rainbow Road part. Like, all of that stuff looks amazing. Um, and I really liked uh, basically everybody else. I liked Luigi and Bowser and Peach and and the Toads. Mm-hmm. Like, what are we gonna do about it? We're adorable. <laughs> like, yes, you are. Nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> I just I feel like so much so much about this movie is just nailed it, nailed it, nailed it, nailed it. Hate it. Nailed <laughs> it, nailed it, nailed it. <laughs> so like, and I don't know. I mean, I'm sure I'm gonna be able to get past it. And it probably, like, if you're sitting there and watching the movie, after, like, 10 or 15 minutes, it probably doesn't stand out as much. Like, I'll probably, hopefully, I'll get over it. Um, because I think the rest of it looks really good and really interesting. And they're kind of, like, seem to be pulling from a whole bunch of different characters and different worlds and everything else. And, you know, like, there's a little bit of that, like, tongue-in-cheek kind of humor. And, like, I think this could be really good. Um, I just, man, oh, man, they Chris Pratt takes me out of it every time. But, again, these are really short trailers. And so, like, it's kind of easy to, like, latch on to those little bits, right? Yeah. Now, okay, so my question about Chris Pratt is, like, um, when he's just talking, like, he's just Mario talking to, to other characters... Like, is that tolerable? It's Is it just like when they like, let's get Mario to do the let's a go line. And it's just it's just Mario. That's the part of- that I find jarring is okay. like because like so I don't love the um like just the voice in general, but it just kind of like fades into the background and it's just another character voice kind of thing. Like um, it doesn't really bother me necessarily it's just like i'm listening to chris pratt and that's dumb but uh, whatever um but then it's it's the, the kind of like um contrast between chris pratt's regular voice and then this like fake italian dialogue in chris pratt's regular voice that i'm just like this sucks <laughs> like this is not done well <laughs> so it's definitely those like iconic lines that again are written in that fake italian accent um that aren't performed that way or like if they are performed that way are don't match the rest of the voice does that make sense no that that makes sense to me i i think that um they they have chris pratt they have mario he's gonna have to do some of the lines they're gonna have to include some of the lines in the trailer i mean you get the you get the first real like chris pratt emulating Charles Martinet with the wahoo and and then you get the jump sound when he when he hops with the with the cart. So like I feel like you're right. We're still getting snippets of the film. This one really felt like a proper trailer where we're introduced to more characters yeah. and 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 Peach is awesome. Like she's kicking Peach butt. Peach is awesome. Like she does so many things. You see her like grab the fire out of the flower mm-hmm. and like she's ready to huck fireballs and and her dress changes color so it's all red instead of pink and then like there's one point where she's like in this like badass i don't know athletic suit kind of thing with this big pole arm and you're just yep. like peach what's going on <laughs> so yeah like she seemed really cool and really interesting yeah. um but i i just haven't seen that out of mario yet so no 
And poor Luigi, oh, getting captured. So I guess it's so early. Seemed pretty early. <laughs> yeah, Luigi. Uh, I see. So here's the thing. Like I, I love uh, Charlie Day as Luigi is perfect, and you see that in the first trailer, in that like little three seconds you get of Luigi, and then you see it much more clearly in this trailer where um, he is playing such a great frantic Luigi. Like I could hear Charlie Day's Luigi when they announced that he was going to be the voice actor. And I was like, that's perfect. He can play a great uh, frantic character. And um, it it seems like he's going to be playing sort of the comedic relief, even though this movie kind of sets up Mario to be a bit of uh, comedic relief as well. You know, you see him get pummeled by Donkey Kong. Yeah. um, Which I'm sure you love that scene where it's just like, yeah, punch that Chris Pratt Mario. Yeah. He's getting beat up the whole time. (laughs) Like, or at least, we saw a lot of him getting beat up in this trailer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, like, I feel like this is, uh, and we had this discussion in Discord, and I guess, like, the original Mario, like, the source material um, is the Mario Brothers, are like, it's like a fish-out-of-water story. Like, they're from Brooklyn, and they are transported to the Mushroom Kingdom, similar to, like, the original movie we got in 93. And I don't know if you watched the direct, but, like, Seth Rogen says, like, if they ever make a movie about Mario, I want to be in it. And it's like, dude, they did in 93. I, like, I don't know if you're like contractually obligated to not say that they did that film. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I thought it, I kind of laughed there. But, um, you know, th- this trailer, like, I didn't realize that they were going to, you know, bring in like so many different yeah, motifs and, and settings from from the game. Like you got. You got the Donkey Kong stage where they're facing off, like the, the the Donkey Kong arcade game. You got Mario Kart. Like, I did not think they would put, like, a legit Rainbow Road racing sequence into the movie, but they they have, or they appear to have. Um, and it's just they've got, they've, they've got, like, what appears to be a training course, but it's, like, set up to look like, you know, the the Mario Brothers, um, the Super Mario Brothers levels, and, you know, you've got the the girders and the falling um, blocks. If you stand on them too long and, and uh, the, the rotating fire uh, mm-hmm. yeah. things. <laughs> and, and again, that's where you see Mario kind of failing quite a bit. Like it, it really feels like they've tried to adapt as much as they could of, of Mario. And specifically with that Mario, I did not anticipate there being like Mario Kart in this movie, but um it 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 looks like there's going to be like a lot of different like challenges and stuff that are happening in this film like Mario seems to be training to to save like a bunch of different worlds and i guess one of those worlds is just Mario Kart <laughs> so um and there's a lot of characters you can see like in that sequence like you see like i guess Funky Kong is in there and mm-hmm. uh, uh Cranky Kong and Diddy Kong so yeah it's just oh, like i said like i know it's super tough to get past Chris Pratt as Mario. Um, but it's like, there's so much else going on. And and I wonder if when we see the film, it'll be like, man, that was an amazing film, but there was just like four or five moments where Chris Pratt just ruined it for, <laughs> for everyone. <laughs> I hope that's not the case. I'm leaning more towards like, I, you know, they're not going to change it. It's, it's, yeah, it the, it it's, it's too close to release now. This is not going to be a Sonic situation. No. And and I don't even think it's as bad as what was that Sonic situation. I don't know if you watched that new Chip and Dale uh, movie on. Uh, I did <laughs> on Disney Plus where they had Ugly Sonic. It's like it's not that bad. Like Chris Pratt voicing Mario <laughs> is not an ugly Sonic moment. I I, uh... <laughs> I don't think it is. I know you disagree, which is fine. 
you know, but yeah, it's it's not. I don't think it's the same. I don't think it's the same, honestly. Well, I guess Nintendo agrees because they're they're not changing it yeah. <laughs> at this point. We're we're way way beyond that. So uh, yeah, we do have the second trailer now. Link is in the show notes. Uh, coming out in I guess it's April, right next year. Yeah, April twenty twenty three. Get your tickets. Well, you yep. can't get your tickets. You yet, can't get but... them yet, but. <laughs> Get your tickets soon, maybe-ish. <laughs> um, Witcher 1 Remake, we got some more news about that. It's going to be an open-world modern reimagining, which gets me very excited. I know there's probably some Witcher 1 people who are like, no, my game! But as somebody who never played it, I'm like, yay, modern! Huzzah! <laughs> so, I mean, I'm kind of excited about this news. I think, like, this, this reminds me a lot of, like, the Mass Effect changes that they did when they kind of did their modern reimagining for the release. Was it 2020? 2021? Uh, Are we a year out from Mass Effect? I think it's been a year. Yeah, the, okay, the Legendary yeah. Edition. Legendary, yeah. yeah. Well, I guess a year and a bit, because, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was 2021. Anyways, point is, um, I think that that's a really good example of taking kind of a beloved title but then updating some stuff that wasn't so great whether that's the combat or the ui or the world or the quests or whatever um and making it a more streamlined approach and basically like applying everything we've learned in gaming and all the advances and quality of life things and you know everything else since the release of witcher the original um i i think that there's it, it's probably going to be a really good really interesting game and I, i'm excited to see it kind of um, modernized what about you what do you think yeah i mean as i never finished witcher one but, but i played a good chunk of it and and here's the thing like um even when it released in 2007 like it was it had a lot going for it but it was also like it was a very complex and cumbersome game like it it did not play well um, and when you <laughs> think about Witcher 3 and, and even Witcher 2 to a certain degree, like Witcher 3 is kind of considered like the the best of of those because it is the most modern game. Like Witcher 2 had yeah. a real struggled a lot at launch and they and they they did um, I think that a year after they did like this huge patch to basically bring it in line with like a lot of other experiences that were available at the time. And but the Witcher one is a product of its time and and it's uh it's it's not it's not a i don't i didn't remember it being a very fun game to play like it was like i said the combat was very finicky but the story and the characters like i think that's where um it really it really was a great game and and i think when you look at this idea of like making the witcher one remake a, a modern reimagining with an open world like that makes sense like you bring the characters forward, you, you bring the story forward, you, um, you update like the world and the game and stuff. And I think that's the, the right, like this is a remake. And, and I mean, it shouldn't really be a shock that they're going to, they're going to structure it as an open world. Um, I think the first game was more, it was like more of like a linear open world where there'd be like open world sections yeah i think it was one of those where it kind of got larger than smaller again than larger but it was a very like i guess like semi-open world sort of thing like more tomb raidery maybe yeah that it had some of those larger spots you could go and explore but then it shrunk back down again yes yeah 
And I, I think like there were zones basically in The Witcher. And, yeah. And it was even a little more disjointed than I think like Tomb Raider and um, well, even God of War was a uh, was sort of like had open open world zones and they were kind of connected uh, in a way like it wasn't like a traditional Ubisoft or, you know, open world where it's like, here's the giant map go find all the towers, you know, like, yeah. Well, and I think too, like, I mean, big, huge open world has a lot to do with tech too, right? Like in 2007 versus 2022, just like memory and processing power is so much more now than it was back then that like, you can just make one big giant map and say, all of our stuff is in this map somewhere, like go explore. And you didn't necessarily have that ability back in, you know, the early to mid 2000s. Yeah. And I mean, the 2007 game was even built like it was built on a Bioware engine. I think like the Dragon Age Origins engine. So like it was even that game had like, again, it had its uh, its gameplay issues. But like the story, the characters, they were all there and they were really well done. And I think it's, it's the same case with Witcher 1. And it, and it is like the beginning of a trilogy that just got better with each release, you know. And I think, you know, even Witcher 2, like when it released, like it was steps ahead of the first one. Like it, like night and day, if you if you put those games side by side in terms of just storytelling, the look, the feel, the gameplay of the game, like it's it's completely different. So it makes perfect sense to remake this one and kind of bring it in line with the rest of the trilogy. Cause it, it, it is the one that needs it for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to give this a look when it, when it comes out, when it gets remade, I'll give it a shot, but, uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, and then to wrap up tonight, we have a little bit of an update from what we talked about last week with, uh, the Microsoft, um, acquisition deal to, uh, buy Activision Blizzard. Um, so, it seems like we're getting closer and closer to the actual inking of a deal around Call of Duty. So uh, it looks like there Microsoft is going to give PlayStation a 10 year contract to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation consoles. Um, and that's mostly a concession to do with the UK investigation and uh, will probably satisfy because I guess there's like somewhere in the mid-teens, I think, number of countries that are kind of um, investigating this acquisition under each of their own legislative bodies. And it sounds like Call of Duty is just so central to this whole conversation that the concession that Microsoft will make to satisfy UK will probably also satisfy quite a lot of the other ones as well. So they might be working um, towards uh, kind of hurrying along some of these processes and and getting the deal done. So um, this is the latest kind of update and step in that right direction for Microsoft is to actually put into writing, make a contract to have Call of Duty on PlayStations for the next 10 years and kind of putting a concrete date on that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, um, I don't think the antitrust lawsuit has come from uh, the FTC just yet. That was something we talked about last week that that was rumored. Yep. Um, but yeah, like you're, you're saying like, basically like the UK side of it, if essentially like they've raised the most stink about it and have, have, I think gleaned the most comments from Sony in terms of this deal being bad for the industry and, and Microsoft saying the opposite, if they can reach it, like, it'll be interesting to see, like, are they going to reach a deal 
like I don't think Sony's going to be happy no matter what. Like, I, like Sony's yeah. not going to be happy yeah. with this acquisition, whether they get ten years, twenty, or or uh, I mean, they'd probably be happy with forever deal. But like, that's just not. I don't think that is possible. I don't think any corporations write contracts that say forever or I guess yeah. in perpetuity. <laughs> like it's not kind of a thing that they tend to commit to because yeah. things change. So and even then, like Microsoft after 20 years could just be like, I don't know, maybe we just don't call it Call of Duty. Maybe we call it um, something else. And it's it, it's the same team. It's the, I, I, I didn't want to I didn't want to come up with another title. I don't want to give Microsoft any ideas. But um, yeah, not that I'm on Sony's side with this one, but. I think like the idea here will be like put forward an agreement to like, I don't know. This is all, I don't, I really don't know, but like, do they put forward the deal? Like does Sony have to agree to the deal or does the EU uh, UK anti-competition be like, that's a fair deal that addresses our concerns, whether Sony takes it or not is up to them. Mm -hmm. It's hard to say, like, obviously we still, this is still like behind closed doors. Like this is another one of those soon tm type things that are gonna happen um but yeah as you said like it's they want to close this deal and they've been saying they want to close it microsoft wants to close the deal by i think end of fiscal which would be june 2023 for them and um i think a way to sort of speed that up and make sure it happens uh because i'm sure they have plans in place of what they're going to do you know july 1 2023 when this deal goes forward like they did with bethesda and obsidian and stuff um, I think like this deal would just be a way to be to ensure that the UK approves it. And then that cascades down to to the rest of the 15 or 16 other countries that are that are reviewing it. So um, mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see how it goes. But I don't think this is gone as well as Microsoft maybe thought it was going to go. Like maybe they I don't think they anticipated it. But I don't it. think that this is worst case scenario for them either, though. Like it could have gone way worse. I feel like if all they have to do is like sign a contract saying we're going to do the thing that we said that we were going to do anyways, and then can we please just move on and stop talking about this? Like <laughs> if what what if this just comes down to signing a contract with Sony to keep COD on PlayStation for 10 years, like... That's a pretty big win for Microsoft, I think. Yeah. So, and especially like if that's the the kind of catalyst to moving through all of this like red tape uh, and all of these investigations, then I think like thumbs up. This went well for Microsoft, or at least like as well as they could have hoped. Unless there is some universe where no legislative bodies cared, right? <laughs> Which I don't really think ever would have happened. No. So I think that this is maybe like still one of the best possible case scenarios for Microsoft with this deal because it is huge and would come under some kind of scrutiny. So um, I think that this is still a good outcome for them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I, uh, I think, I think this will, we'll see probably in the coming months, probably because I think we're heading up to like the anniversary, like January would be the one year anniversary of like the deal being announced. Because I remember mm-hmm. it was like over the holidays that they were sort of it was yeah sorting out details. So um, it is like it's kind of interesting because because all the arguments have kind of focused around Call of Duty. It's almost like when they figure that out, they can't really go back to the well. It's like okay, now let's argue about King or uh, specific Blizzard titles. Like it's Call of Duty is that big that it is just taking up so much of the conversation. 
Mm-hmm. And once they sort that out, I think it's all just, yeah, I guess we're cool now. Like you from what's yeah, from what's being said publicly, it seems like this is the big sticking point and we haven't really heard much about anything else. So I think you're right. Like if they resolve COD, then that feels like, again, at least from what we've heard, like everything's downhill from there for Microsoft. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully, I mean, honestly, it would be nice to see this just be done, like not necessarily go through, but just have it have it under the news cycle because it like it, talk, we've been talking about a 69 billion dollar acquisition for quite a while and <laughs> um yeah like it uh it'll be interesting to see it go through or or not go through and what the caveats are that have to be put in place for it to go through because like you said like you don't you don't buy something for 69 million dollars or billion dollars and then you know like they want this deal to go through so i think that yeah it's gonna happen one way or another it's just a yeah, matter of like. You don't spend sixty nine billion dollars on a whim. You spend forty four billion dollars on a whim. What was the forty four billion? <laughs> oh, that was that was an Elon Musk joke. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That well, then, yeah, you're right. You like once you go above fifty billion, it's a lot more serious. Yeah, then it's super serious. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! But yeah, we'll we'll give you guys updates uh, once we know a little bit more about how these all of this is going and if the the deal looks like it actually is going to go through. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's pretty much it for us this week. If you guys want to join the Discord and have a chat in between episodes, you can go to bitly slash tgi discord you can also check out our extra life page reminder we are taking donations all the way through till december 31st go and check out bit.ly slash tgi extra life 2022 and even if you can't donate if you just share the link share the streams that really helps us reach more people um we are still still quite a ways away from our both individual goals and team goals so uh, any little extra bit either of money or eyeballs helps us out. So uh, yeah, again, that is bit.ly slash TGI Extra Life 2022. We will hopefully be seeing you for some more streams in December. Um, but until then, you can follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn at Joss Plays. Ryan is at R. Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers Inn. Thanks for staying at The Gamers Inn. And remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. <laughs>